welcome to the beginning of a new year, a new month, a new series from the pulpit. It's exciting. I say new series. You know, it's actually a return series, though. Look forward to this every year. This is what we call you pick. Uh, it got shortened. If you weren't with us during the month of January in previous years, the way you pick works is like this. At some point, you've sent me uh, Bible verses or questions about Scripture, asked what the Bible has to say on such and such an issue, or maybe you've just submitted a, su a suggestion on a subject you'd like to hear preached from the pulpit. And I've taken these ideas and I've prayerfully uh, considered them. Maybe over the course of time, uh, you've just brought me a question. I've made some notes on my own, thought, hey, you know, that'd make a great sermon. Um, in previous years, we actually announced a block of time uh, from up here and in the bulletin in which I would take submissions for this series. This year, uh, you know, it really wasn't necessary for me to ask you to send those in. Folks had uh, already given me plenty of ideas over the course of the last year and that's a good thing that's a good thing so keep those uh, coming no matter what time of year it is uh, it's a good challenge for me uh, and uh, hopefully it's a blessing for you as well the cool thing about you pick unlike many of the sermons from the pulpit where I, you know, I like to consider I'm literally preaching to the guy in the mirror uh, this series is written for you folks which means if you don't like the sermon too bad but I pray you're blessed by this, uh, you pick the Sermon 19 topical edition. First topic for this series is uh, celebrating holidays. The question you wanted answered, is it biblical? A fun way to kick things off, right? And since we just finished up a little over a month's worth of Christmas preparation celebration at Ferris Church and out in the community, I suppose the answer we probably don't want to land on is, no, it is not. We were wrong. We apologize. We won't ever do Christmas again. No. But with New Year, uh, repeat celebrations quickly on their way to us. Believe it or not, I already had an uh, email in my inbox this week about Good Friday. So it's an appropriate time to discuss this subject. It really is. We just passed New Year's, but if you take a quick look at any calendar, we're certainly faced with those same options. We always are, every year. We uh, flip through, we see what? Valentine's Day in February. We're already seeing, I noticed down here, the shopping aisles down here at the corner, where they're already marketing Valentine's Day to us. Uh, so quick, jump on that. Uh, March, we have St. Patrick's Day, right? All Fool's Day, Earth Day in April. On the flip side, Palm Sunday, Good Friday, and Easter. May, we see Mother's Day, Memorial Day, so on and so forth. There's something every month you can celebrate if you like. We've come up with a lot of things to do that. Living in these parts means that it's not too likely we're going to spend much time on entries such as Boxing Day. Does anybody celebrate Boxing Day? Okay, December 26th. However, our Canadian neighbors to the north consider this day for retailers, much like we would the Saturday before Christmas. That is, it's time to go shopping, eh? Preacher, that whole A thing in Canada hasn't been funny since 1985. What's next, a bacon joke? But some holidays are cultural, and then some are merely traditional. Some are religious. Some involve specific religious rites from one organization or another, uh, such as the Catholic Ash Wednesday tradition. I can't speak for all the religions and traditions of the world, but I can say that Bible-only Christians were only biblically instituted two rites or memorials or religious occasions by Jesus himself. 
Reminder of what those are. The first one is baptism. Baptism is an event which is not limited to a certain day or time on the calendar, but it's commanded of all of us. Jesus himself instituted baptism. Matthew 28 and Acts chapter 2 for the church the way we know it today. Second, Jesus commanded us to observe the Lord's Supper. Communion. Since the early church met on the first day of the week to break bread, that's in Acts 20, verse 7. That's when we, the church, meet on Sunday. That's why we meet on Sunday and share at this table as well. But that's it. That's it in the biblical sense of uh, understanding what's expected of us. Christians are not under obligation to observe anything else at all. Before you ask, the coming of Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament Sabbath day. So no, God's people are not under religious obligation today to keep the Old Testament Sabbath. Please don't confuse the Sabbath with your Sunday worship. It's a different concept. But here's the thing when it comes to holidays. God's people are under obligation. In fact, we should consider it a privilege to celebrate Jesus in every occasion. All year round, amen? Celebrate Jesus. So getting back to this question for the morning, celebrating holidays, is it biblical? To answer this question, we need to consider our monthly traditions, cultural celebrations, in light of how we want to celebrate our great God and Savior. Let's return to this text for the day. Cody read this earlier. I'm going to take a drink, too. Today, we're actually going to use the NIV for this verse from Romans. Again, as uh, was read earlier to us, one person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. That's Romans chapter 14, verse 5. So the answer to this question, should we celebrate holidays or not? Paul says each of us, you and I, should be fully convinced in our own mind. This is about celebrating or not celebrating. So this is basically a Christian household decision. The implication is that uh, we as Christians are to be informed about a holiday we celebrate so that we can make an educated, godly decision on each one. Amen? Informed so that we can make an educated, godly decision. And we just, I say we just finished with Christmas. I don't know about you. I'm a big fan of the birth of Christ. The birth of Christ, along with uh, the death of Christ, is biblically the most significant chain of events to ever affect mankind. We had John 3.17 up here a little while ago. I love that that popped up because that was going to be in my message. Uh, God sent his son in the world not to condemn, uh, but to save. And I believe the Christmas holiday, while we certainly aren't commanded by Scripture to celebrate it, this is a wonderful opportunity for the church to witness to the world at large, isn't it? Wonderful opportunity. And I realize not all Christians believe this way. Uh, you might run into the uh, occasional cult member, but you might also talk to the occasional Christian who takes a hard stance against Christmas celebration and believes you should do the same. A few weeks back, I actually had a conversation with an individual who believed the Christmas holiday had far too much pagan influence has absorbed far too much worldly tradition for Christians to argue that, quote, Jesus is really the reason for the season. And my response to this was, well, I'm glad you weren't my Santa Claus when I was a kid. No. But this exchange did get me thinking about the guy in the mirror because I'm starting to look like Santa Claus every day 
more and more, and I just can't help it. No. But am I fully convinced in my own mind about the holidays? Do I make educated, godly decisions on each one? Do I truly make Jesus the reason for each season? These are questions that Christians need to ask themselves. Do we really spend a, submission, a sufficient amount of time taking our celebrations before God? Or do we just go with the cultural flow? Do we just go with what everyone around us is doing? We'll get back to Christmas in a minute. Let's first discuss a holiday. It has some suspicious roots for sure. Let's get this one out of the way. Let's talk about Halloween, October 31st. Should Christians celebrate Halloween? What do you think? I'm going to try to start off a little open-minded with this one. I think it's fair. An online article from Believe It or Not, one of the more liberal Christian denominations, actually says this regarding Halloween and its imagery. Quote, Halloween jack-o'-lanterns have been around for centuries as part of an ancient Celtic celebration at the start of the winter season. Whether you know this or not, uh, good to bring it back to your memory. For the ancient Druids, a sort of pagan priesthood, the jack-o'-lantern represented a poor soul caught between this world and the next one. With the pagan religion teaching, the jack-o'-lantern was a warning against bad spirits. Doesn't sound like we're off to a good start. The article continues, Halloween itself clearly originated from polytheism, the worship of multiple gods, and the belief in the spiritual forces of inanimate objects. Well, let's be honest, I think we'd be overreaching to find a sin in carving a pumpkin, right? Uh, we've carved pumpkins for front tables and doorsteps. We've done the, the carving at youth group for our fall festivals, which, by the way, fall festivals are biblical, Leviticus 23. And if you want to be picky about it, the ancient Druids didn't use real pumpkins to carve their jack-o'-lanterns anyway. They used turnips. For some reason, that hasn't caught on here. I don't know why. But celebrating Halloween as, as culture around us does, can we truly justify this as biblical if we stop and think about it? Can we fully be convinced in our own mind as practicing Christians each October 31st when we encourage a costumery and imagery and the occultism, whether we mean to or not? Are we taking, I'm just asking, are we taking our biblical freedom considering a day to be sacred and making it that which is completely unholy? I'm just asking. It's interesting, statistically, just under one quarter, 23% of American Christians shy away from Halloween celebration. That means the majority of Christians do celebrate Halloween. A recent survey by Lifeway Ministries found out that church attendance, interestingly enough, actually has an effect on how people perceive Halloween. Interestingly enough, that is, those who attend religious services regularly, at least once a week, are less likely to take Halloween as, quote, just good, clean fun for the kids. Now, I'm not trying to put anyone's fun family traditions down. I like getting free Reese's peanut butter cups as much as the next guy. And yeah, I'll wear a goofy alien mask if I have to to get them. But do these statistics possibly suggest that there are far too many Christians more concerned about keeping up culturally than we are spiritually? I'm just wondering. Would any of us, I, let me ask this, would any of us condone an evening seance to the dead if conducting one in your home was standard Halloween practice in America beyond the Adams family? I doubt it. But brothers and sisters, Far too many of us are willing to share in this Wiccan mythology and pagan practices and add to a $5 billion a year consumerism of Halloween. It's amazing. 
Just consider these questions. Consider these questions as you move forward. But then maybe you would say, preacher, isn't so much of what's attached to Christ's birthday very much the same? Pagan roots. And yet we consider it good, clean fun for the kids today. And this is true. This is true. For example, the song, The Twelve Days of Christmas. You know the one where we hold that phrase, five golden rings for five minutes? Those guys that I mentioned earlier, those druids actually staged a 12-day festival called Brumalia each time of the year. That's, that's where that came from. According to one source, the Druids believed Brumalia to be the high point of an annual battle between an ice giant who represented death and the sun god who represented life. Now, the Druids knew they'd figured it out like we have today, that the days get longer on the, as the calendar progresses through winter towards spring, and that happened regardless of their rituals, yet they persisted in the practice of, of this 12-day festival. So the church's celebration of the birth of Christ at this time of year, it was an attempt to Christianize what was pagan, down to the usage of the green plants and the evergreens. You see, the tree, the tree was brought by druids into their homes to, to honor and encourage the sun god at the time of the winter solstice. So what changed? Well, Roman Catholic missionaries would later adopt this ritual as part of an attempt to convince the world that the true source of worship wasn't the sun god, but the son of God. So you might say the church took back the tree, brothers and sisters. But what makes Christmas any different than Halloween, right? Is our yearly Christmas celebration ever truly sacred? Can we ever fully be convinced that it's, quote, all about Jesus? Uh, we, possibly our bank books, know better. How about Easter? The name Easter itself came from the name of an ancient Chaldean or Babylonian goddess named Astarte or Ishtar in Babylon. Comedian Robin Williams once smartly opined, how do you get crucifixion and resurrection and then chocolate bunnies and colored eggs? Even kids are going, rabbits don't lay eggs. What is this? But to clear up the confusion, you see, Ishtar uh, was considered the pagan goddess of love and fertility, symbolized by eggs and rabbits. Makes sense. We all know that uh, uh, those bunny rabbits are highly fertile. The ancients were familiar with them, too. Decorating eggs was a practice of worship by Ishtar's followers, who, along with this practice, also engaged in ritualistic temple prostitution, pagan roots. Friends, do you think there's a reason why we favor the name, or at least I do, Resurrection Sunday on our church sign, in our bulletins for the Sunday? We see a lot of churches. Many of our neighbors are off somewhere celebrating Easter. I'd rather celebrate Resurrection Sunday. But are we, are we just being silly? Are we just uh, uh, being pedantic here, fussing over little details? I would like to say no, we're celebrating Jesus, not the pagan culture which surrounds Jesus. That's the point. That's the goal. That's where we want to get to. But preacher, I saw what you posted on Instagram last week, and those were Christmas trees you had up in your house. But of course they were. Where else was my wife supposed to put all my Reese's? One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. So what's an educated, godly decision about each holiday? I'm not fully convinced about setting up a porch full of Halloween jack-o'-lanterns, no matter how much I love Reese's. I am fully convinced that Resurrection Sunday is a better name than Easter for the Sunday after Good Friday. Yes, my family decorates Christmas trees after Thanksgiving each and every year. And I'm fully convinced in my own mind it's a godly time spent together. So the preacher just gets to pick and choose, right? 
I'd like to suggest the following guide when it comes to deciding what's biblical and what isn't. If, you know, if you're taking some notes or if, if you'd like to take some notes, these are maybe some good ones to take. Uh, this is on loan from an article I found at gotquestions.org. Depending, uh, determining on how you consider a holiday celebration, ask yourself, number one, does the holiday in any way promote false doctrine or immoral behavior? Let's hear that one again. Does the holiday in any way promote false doctrine or immoral behavior? Where do we start with this? I think a good scripture to reference with this question is Galatians 5, 19 to 23. Paul gives us what all that immoral behavior looks like. All those works of the flesh, the, the sexual immorality, the impurity, the uh, sensuality, and the idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, drunkenness, and so on. I think, I think most of us know what practices accompany uh, which celebrations before we get to the party, right? Most of us at least have a clue. This always kind of makes me smile a little. I, I wanted to mention this this morning. Uh, throughout the year, and we always appreciate these so much, uh, my family and I will, will receive invitations uh, from different folks to join them. And thank you so much for those, uh, for various holidays. Hey, preacher, what are you doing for Memorial Day? We might, might hear. I uh, want to come over for a cookout. Hey, Josh, you're welcome to come over for Thanksgiving at our house this time if you aren't going anywhere. Uh, you know, we don't always get to spend time with our uh, Hoosier families around the holidays, so we always appreciate those invites to your houses. Uh, even get Christmas Eve and Christmas uh, invites. We did this year. Uh, we, couldn't, uh, we couldn't actually attend th that function, but uh, we always appreciate those. But you know, you know which holiday always kind of makes us smile? You know what uh, holiday always comes around without uh, receiving so much as a phone call? New Year's Eve. I just can't figure out why. Ball drops. We don't want any minister around this place. <laughs> when it comes to celebration, would you want the preacher around when it's party time? Good rule of thumb. If your behavior, your expected behavior says no, you might reconsider your decision. And doctrine fa uh, factors into this one as well. We talked about Halloween a little while ago. Does the holiday promote false doctrine or immorality? Question number one. Here's the same source. Question number two. Can we thank God for what we observe on this holiday? Can we thank God? We, does it produce a thankful heart? 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And this is the text friends, upon which I like to uh, set that Christmas tree and those year-end celebrations with family. I can't think of a better way to spend the last month of a year than gathered around that Christmas manger to thank God uh, for the, the birth of grace. Can you? No, no, Jesus was not the reason for those uh, pagan 12 days of Brumelia. But, but where the world has added celebration of the self or celebration of the seasons or celebration of Satan's influence, Christians today can take that out and put in the name of Jesus. And the world hates. The world hates when we do that, which is why we have all the commercialism and all the narcissism, all the naysayers and the uh, ACLU going around looking at all the courthouse lawns, making sure there's no signs of any nativity scenes anywhere. Ooh, can't have that. The name of Jesus Christ is a game changer. It has implications for us all year round. So yes, church, be thankful for Christmas. You don't have to celebrate it loudly, but just be thankful for it. Speaking of being thankful, uh, let's not forget our, our Memorial Day, Veterans Day calendar celebrations. 
which by the way, I, I owe our veterans an apology. This last year, we, we inadvertently omitted a uh, November 11 special on that Sunday in celebration during our worship service, and, and I'm sorry that happened. The, the ball got dropped between getting it on the calendar and, and uh, my daughter Bella's surgery in Lansing that weekend. But, but we do need to remember and thank God for those, those people, those soldiers who have served our country, uh, served and fought for our personal freedoms. Memorial Day, to be thankful for those who have fallen in service. On Veterans Day, for those who have, have served and are with us. We can and should thank God for these occasions, for these people. I would add Mother's and Father's Day celebrations here as well. One rule of thumb left I'd like to throw out this morning. One question you might ask yourself as you're sitting down, like I am this time of year, figuring out how I'd like to fill the days ahead. You know, I'm not guaranteed them, but I am called to be a steward of them. From the same sources as before, let's ask ourselves, number three, number third question. Will celebrating this holiday detract from my Christian testimony or witness? This is a big one, real big one. Will it detract from my Christian witness? Maybe most important at all. Turn with me quickly if you've got a Bible uh, near you handy. We don't have this on the overhead, but this is important in Scripture. Philippians 2, verse 15. What does Paul say? Paul says about each and every one of us, Paul says about Christians, we are called to be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. That's a big responsibility. That's our calling. And this, my friends, is where we must consider not just what we're celebrating, but how. How we're celebrating. Seems kind of goofy, but I think of uh, St. Patrick's Day with this one. Uh, you know, maybe you're Irish. Maybe you want to get back to your roots. Try to think outside the box. Do you know what you call a fake diamond if you find it on St. Patrick's Day? A shamrock. Please, preacher, don't give up this day job. But the traditional Irish jig and, and the stew and the wearing green and the, and the picking up some bagpipes somewhere probably doesn't detract from your Christian witness. The bagpipes might, but the eight pints of Guinness that go along with it is another story, right? Too often in the church, we want to see how far we can get away from this, this example of self-control and self-sacrifice found in Jesus and still uh, be considered a Christian, don't we? Too often in the church, we want to be in the world, uh, claim we're, we're lights in the world and still be of the world. Too often in the church, we want to lead people to Jesus just as long as it doesn't get in the way of what we really want to spend our time doing. We want to be hip and relevant. Temptations, not just for the churchgoer, but certainly for the church leader as well. But God's word doesn't call us for any of these things to be hip or relevant or even knowledgeable. It calls us to be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. That's our calling. How do you spend your time around the holidays? You can go beyond uh, what you do. What are your conversations like with others? Where's your focus before and after that Thanksgiving dinner? Uh, I joked around a little bit this year around Thanksgiving time about the dread of, uh, you know, everybody has an Uncle Louie, or maybe it's Cousin Louie. Uh, you know, the, the guy, the guy you're going to have to deal with again. You, you just, you know, you, you dread it. Guys politically, philosophically opposed to you in every single way, and he lets you know every chance he gets. Are you blameless and innocent? Not talking about him, you. When you get around the guy, or do you allow the devil 
to drag you down to his level? All of these are questions we must ask ourselves each and every holiday. Am I overthinking things a little bit? Am I, am I really supposed to be wondering and pondering and praying this much about Resurrection Sunday dinner? Isn't the whole point of a holiday for me to enjoy myself? No. Holiday has old English origins, the word meaning religious anniversary or consecrated day or holy, H-O-L-Y day. If we really want to take things back to their roots this morning, not at all. The whole point of a holiday is to celebrate the creator of the universe. The Israelites had Passover, Pentecost, other holy days fulfilled by Jesus, the Son of God, at his first coming. Today, if our celebrations aren't leading up to his second coming, why have them? Each of us should be fully convinced in our own mind. And maybe we're passive. Maybe we, we feel a little bit passive about this issue this morning, or we've long since decided the way we spend our holidays. Maybe we've got those traditions fairly well built into our family routines. And maybe this whole holiday discussion seems like a minor bump in the overall Christian walk. But here's the twist this morning in regards to Romans 15.4. Romans, uh, excuse me, 14.5. Our text this morning doesn't so much contain a statement of permission. It contains a command for Christians to know exactly where we stand in the face of a demanding culture. John Piper notes in the original Greek language, the word we've translated convinced doesn't say you are free to choose where you stand on this issue. It means you should choose where you stand on this issue. It's the same word Piper notes given in Romans 4.21, which says that Abraham grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Piper continues, minor matters such as these do not call for mushy faith or flimsy convictions, but clear faith and full conviction. Why? Because we can't wait for the media or industry or your friends and family members or your neighbors or the religious or government leaders of the wor world or even the local churches to decide which influences should best surround your family on this day or that. Be fully persuaded in your own mind for your own household what is sacred. Take the matter in prayer, says James chapter 1, verse 5. You may call yourself a Christian. Here's the thing. You may use that name, that title, but others around you are going to recognize you by who or what they see you celebrate. Amen? What do they see you celebrate? And maybe you're tired of the commercialization and the worldliness and the mass crowding of some holidays, but you know, you, you still want to provide some special memories for your loved ones. If so, here, here's an idea. Uh, this comes from your preacher. Decide what's quote-unquote a sacred day together. That's right. Uh, celebrate a holiday with your family this year that's not even on the calendar. We've tried doing this before, but we always forget what day it is. So write it down somewhere. And I don't care what you call it. Call it St. Gerald's Day or something. St. Gerald's Day means baby back ribs in the fellowship hall for everybody at lunch. Maybe I should stop this train of thought. I'll end up paying for the whole thing. Make memories in Jesus. That's what celebrating a holy day is about. You know, we've taken that word holiday to refer to taking vacations, but it's really all about taking the name of Jesus Christ. That's what it's about. 
If you remember, God advised his OT people in Deuteronomy 12, 30 to 32, to dump practices of the pagan cultures around them and serve him wholeheartedly. So regardless of the day, I encourage you to celebrate or not to celebrate, not because of everybody else, but because of Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus. The celebration of holidays should be biblical. That is for Jesus only. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that, that, that we do live in an age of, of grace and an age in which we have freedom in you, but, but yet, Lord, when we, when, we, when we look at your word and we, we look at you and we understand this word holy and what that means, we understand, Lord, what, the responsibility that that carries for us. Lord, I pray that we would not take our witness lightly in this world. Lord, I pray that we would remember that someone is always watching us. And if it's not a friend or a family member or a, or a, or a little one, Lord, it's you. You know what's best for us. You made us and you came to us and, and provided a living example and an example in death for us to follow. And Lord, I pray that though the temptation in our culture is always to make it all about us, Lord, I pray that we would, we would use opportunities to be with friends and family and, and the church to, to continue to make it about you. Lord, I thank you for uh, the times we can spend with others. I thank you, Lord, that we, we do have uh, the opportunity to uh, be led by you every day of the week. Help us, Lord, to, uh, to, to not look down at others or to uh, take a certain tradition and, and make it Bible. But help us, Lord, to keep the Bible in all of our traditions. Help us have the courage, Lord, in, in this world and in, in front of the commercialization and uh, consumerism and the meism. And help us to remember that cross and the blood that was shed for us. And help us to remember that, that ultimately, Lord, you have a kingdom that, that awaits, that, that's so much better than anything else in this world. Lord, I do thank you for your, uh, your plan, your, your order that you've given uh, to this universe. Lord, we look at you and we see a God of order, we see God of love. Lord, we may, we may not be able to make sense of everything in this world, but, but we know that you make sense of it all. I pray, Lord, that no matter how we're celebrating, no matter where or with whom, we would remember we've taken your name and that it's all about you. We praise you. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. It is in that holy name of Jesus. Amen.
Any day can be a holy day if you make it about the one who is holy. And that's the call. That's the call. And when we look in Scripture and we see where it all begins for the church, it all begins on that day of Pentecost, that holy day that was fulfilled. How did the church respond to what had been done for them? Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized. For each one of you, if you haven't made that decision and begun that journey, celebrating Jesus personally in your own life, we encourage you to do that, to take his name, to put it on all that it means for you for an eternity. We're going to have a time of invitation now. And for those of you who have already begun receiving those promises in Jesus, uh, don't forget, once again, your witness. As you go from this place and you go out into this world, it's caught up in this world and caught up in its own routines and in its own plans for the year. Remember, make it about his kingdom and his plans. We invite you to stand as we sing this song, The Church. Maybe just a suggestion this morning about, uh, you know, he talked about celebrating a, a day of the year for something other than a holiday. You know, this could be January 5th, could be your rebirth today. Amen. Uh, make a decision this morning as, uh, as we come into the time of invitation. Uh, this could be a day that you could celebrate the rest of your life. January 5th could be a great day for you. Um, let's go ahead. Sixth.